The scripture reading for today is from Matthew 5, verses 17 to 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your right righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, David. Good morning. It's, uh, it's great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church Tucson, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just, again, good to be here um, with everyone this morning. And um, just by way of introduction, if you're new or you've never heard me uh, preach before, I have a stutter, so I just want to make sure that you all know um, what that is, if it kind of comes in and out as, as we go. Uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that I stayed up to watch the end of the U of A game last night and got like four hours of sleep uh, to make sure we didn't uh, snatch defeat from the clutches of victory um, as we've done before. So thankfully worked out, uh, worked out okay. But um, let me just kind of say this morning where we are here. Um, I'm in a little bit of a weird place, you know, th this morning personally um, for a number of room, room reasons. One is... Um, what we talk about a lot in the, in the scriptures, we see this reality of where we live right now today is in what's referred to as the now and not yet. Um, it, it's this, this um, reality that we see God's faithfulness and his goodness, and then simultaneously we see in a lot of ways um, evidences all around us in our own lives, in our own families sometimes, and certainly on a day like this, September 11th, in the world around us, we see um, evidence that things are not the way they're supposed to be. That the good news of Jesus' kingdom, which we're going to talk a lot about for the, well, hopefully always, but uh, specifically today and throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that's kind of the big idea is Jesus coming in and saying, hey, my kingdom is here. It's among you. It's, it's at hand. And yet there's this reality still where he says, but there's more to come. One day every tear will be wiped away. Um, one day mourning will turn into laughing and, and rejoicing and, and, and um, death will, will, will be completely eradicated and overwhelmed by life. And, 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 yet, and so today we live in a tension of that. Even September 11th is a day I, I saw somebody wrote um, kind of a reflection this morning about simultaneously um, we, we saw selfishness in perhaps its greatest display ever. And you saw evil and terror and, and, and the opposite of loving your neighbor, um, right though almost immediately um, uh, followed by selflessness and, and loving your neighbor. And God's, God's creation, his, his image of God, that's the Imago Dei, when God created man, he said, let us make man in our image. Um, in the image of God, he made us, you and me, to reflect him in every way. And you saw that on display. You see that in public servants. We have a number of police officers and firefighters and, and, and different people in the military, people laying their lives down, running toward death and, and, and toward the flames. And, and, then, and then you also, again, you see um, uh, the distortion of the image of God on display, the opposite of loving your neighbor, 
Um, and, and, it's, and it's just, and then again, on a day like today where we remember, um, someone actually texted me and joked me like, wow, man, you guys picked a great day to celebrate your anniversary, you know, like, didn't think that one through. It was, the, uh, two years ago, it wasn't on the same day. It was, you know, the, it's always going to be the, the day or the, the week after L- L- Labor Day. That's kind of when we launched. And, and it is a time, though, right now where we celebrate. Like, let, just for sake of show of hands, how many of you were, were here on, on that first Sunday here? Um, man, it's crazy just looking around and seeing, again, just God's, God's faithfulness, his favor. Two weeks ago, I talked about, like, you know, we, in a couple weeks here, likely we're going to need to, we're opening up the balconies, and we'll have just, it's, you know, we have different college groups out of town here and there right now, but it's just, we, it's been crazy to see that, that in July and August are, have been our biggest ever um, uh, attendances, and that's, you, you know, bigger than Easter. That's, like, not normal and we've just seen God's faithfulness. And we don't necessarily focus or, you know, celebrate, like, numbers and where are we at and all this stuff and what's the next landmark. But we celebrate, like, that, that's people. You know, that's, that's changed lives. That's been marriages that would be broken apart that are still not perfect but, but growing and seeing uh, the gospel define and inform what would otherwise be hopeless. And we live in this just, just this place of tension. I, this morning, I've been in the same place where um, I've been thinking, I just saw a gal this morning who works in full-time um, hospice care as a hospice nurse. And this week has been weird for me and all the more reasons. I've spent the last number of days right next to the bed of a woman who was kind of like a second m- mom to me. I like slept on their ca- couch for like day. I was that guy. I was that neighbor. Like days at a time, eat, eat all their food, you know, go to all their events. And, um, and they just, you know, really brought me in and brought me under their wing. And she owns a gym, is this really healthy woman in her early 60s and had a brain hemorrhage and is likely going gonna, to gonna pass away in the next couple of days. And and I got to pray with her and her family. Not a Christian home, not a Christian family. And yet I was like, man, God, you're faithful. I, I never knew how I would enter in and get to, you know, share the gospel with this family. And here I got to pray with them all around her bed yesterday. And, and yet, obviously, that's, there's still tears, you know, with that. And, um, and that's really where we are. And that's, it's kind of appropriate that, that that's where we find ourselves this morning because that's where, um, where we are in, in what Jesus is talking about. He's bringing a, a reality into our distorted version of life that, that, is, that just doesn't fit neatly and cleanly, that, that's not pretty, that, so, that doesn't make sense. And you see that all the more today as we get into it, it's, it's, it's like people are trying to make sense of what Jesus is saying. It's like, that, that, where does that fit? That doesn't fit my paradigm. It doesn't fit my categories, Jesus. Like, and that's what we're going to get into today. So I, I kind of I, I pray that we stay in this dissonance a little bit here together, that we celebrate, we look forward to eating, you know, food and seeing, you know, like our, our kids' ministry is like quadrupled and we'll see kids running around and eating cupcakes and whatever and we see God's faithfulness and we celebrate that together and then we also, you know, acknowledge brokenness and sin. And, and so with that, I'm going to pray, um, ask um, Jesus to continue to inform our time to now as we get into the word and to his sermon where he's preaching and speaking and we are shaped. I, I believe, kind of I'll just show you all my cards on the front, I believe that um, we can't leave here uh, unchanged, that when we hear God's word and we come before him, he does something. And so for those of you who are here who are not Christians or who've never put your faith in Jesus and who wonder what, what, what this whole, you know, Christianity is all about, um, m- my prayer and my, my belief is 
is that uh, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll do something today in our time to uh, reveal himself to us. So with that, let's, let's pray, ask him to lead us. Let's celebrate his faithfulness and also simultaneously um, acknowledge the brokenness in our, in our world. Let's pray. Um, Lord, I, I do come before you. I, I, I'm even, I thank you for the freedom um, to not have to have it all together. Um, you know, my, my sermon was pretty well polished and cleaned up and all perfect and ready to go, but that's just not where I am. And the reality is that's not where, where, where we are as a people. Lord, um, messiness and cleanness, um, it kind of sometimes all gets jumbled in together and brokenness and rejoicing and your faithfulness and then our struggle and our questions and our, our lamenting. And so, Lord, um, I pray that, that, that we all now, kind of corporately, we, we come humbly before you. That, that, that we know that, that um, Lord, that the word of our God um, will not return void, that you will, that your, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, that you will pierce um, our, our hearts and our lives and leave us, um, Lord, transformed. So I'm excited for what you have in store. I'm excited to come under your teaching. Um, it always is, but today it's all these words are in red. It's all your words, Jesus, and, and we're excited to, uh, to, to see what you have for us today. We uh, pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, so, so where we've been the last, I'm not going to every week, like this, will, this would take the whole time of the sermon if I'm like reciting every sermon there before, you know, so we're in week three, I can do that a little bit, um, like week, you know, nine, I'm not going to do that, don't worry, but um, to some degree, but, but this sermon, like always, Jesus is building, okay, like momentum is building, and he's, he's, he's kind of picking up the steam, and he's, again, making a big idea, he's revealing his kingdom and what it means to, to live life uh, out of a relationship with God and to follow Jesus. That's what the word Christian means. It means a follower of Jesus or a disciple, uh, a follower, a student, uh, um, um, someone in a relationship with Jesus. And so he, um, this stuff's new to these people. What he's saying, they don't have like, they didn't grow up, go to church camp and all these things. Like Jesus is, is revealing himself in a way that, 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 that um, everyone's leaning in and like, what, what is this? What's he talking about? What's he teaching? And, and, um, and so we saw in the first week that he, he's preaching radical stuff, that Jesus comes and he says, he says um, I, I'm coming to bring real life transformation that shows up in your everyday life. Like this isn't just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus into your life and keep going on. And, you know, it is the NFL Sunday kickoff today. So, you know, like let's just fit. You know, I don't know how church quite fits into all that, but I'm going to make it work. And, you know, that's how we tend in kind of American Western world. Like we kind of have this, this version of Christianity that just fits really neatly and nicely and into all our lives and all this stuff. And, 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 and Jesus has come saying, no, no, I'm bringing a real transformation that, that is going to be, um, that, that, that you can't just kind of turn on and off. It shows up in your everyday life. And then last week we saw um, Jesus talk about salt and light. And he says, those people who I've transformed individually and communally will, will live their lives in such a way that they will, they will, bring a, they will magnify and reflect the light of God and live as a preserving agent in a dark and decaying world. He's like, I've got a purpose for you if you're going to come and follow me. And then this week we'll see that he continues to build on that. And he'll say, he'll say, listen, um, I came because I, I fulfill all the promises and all the requirements of the entire Bible. And I do that so that you will live as the very righteousness of God 
in your lives, in your real everyday life, that you, who put your faith in Jesus, will, will be the very righteousness of God. And it's important for their time and for our time as well, perhaps maybe even more for us, because um, people wanted to hear Jesus and were like, okay, this is all new. Everything that came before, you know, I'm going to just make Jesus like, I'm going to do it my way, whatever I, however I think he best fits. Um, I'm going to kind of just fit him in. And, and, then, and then even in their day, they're like, okay, I don't know what all this has to do with the, what we would call the Old Testament, um, what they knew as just the Bible, or what Jesus re refers to, what does he say? He says, um, I uh, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. That's the Bible. That's the whole Bible. That's, again, what we would consider the Old Testament, okay? That's basically like this, okay? That's like the first, like, two-thirds of the Bible. That was all called the law and the prophets. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to abolish that. I came to fulfill it. And that was really important for the people of their day because some were like, whoa, 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 this sounds a little different. So are you just scrapping everything that went before and now just, you just start with Jesus and you don't need to know any of the context and, okay, just kind of throw all that out. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. And the same is true for you and me today. Because what, what we tend to do is we have a watered-down Bible that we just kind of dismiss a lot of this stuff and just we think Jesus is just a bunch of little kind of kind of advice, some here and there, some tips, some different things. It's kind of and, and we don't see how it all all threads together. And when you have a watered down Bible, hear me, you 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 have a watered down Jesus. And then from there you have a watered down understanding of what it means to follow him. In fact, there's a quote that it's kind of appropriate. This is what I actually shared this our very first Sunday when we launched here. Some of you guys, if you don't remember this, there was no air on, okay? I know that's happened like within the last couple months here, but it was crazy. We had doors open. It was, we didn't have lights out, none of this stuff. It was, we were like in a high school cafeteria, sweating it out together. But I shared this quote, and I've done it a few times here and there, and I, I, I probably will again and again because it's incredibly helpful in shaping. Because he's, he's, this quote reminds us of the importance of the whole story of God. Author Mike Goheen says this, The biblical story of redemption is a narrative. Many of us have read the Bible as if it were merely a mosaic of little theological bits Theological bits, moral bits, historical critical bits, sermon bits, devotional bits. But when we read the Bible in such a fragmented way, we ignore its divine author's intention to shape our lives through its story. All human communities live out of some story that provides a direction to their lives. If we allow the Bible to become fragments... It is in danger of being absorbed into whatever other story is shaping our culture. Let me pause there for a minute. There are other stories shaping our culture. Consumerism, um, you know, sensuality, uh, all idolatry means replacing God with something else that we center our lives around. 
our work, our family, even good things, okay? Our appreciation for our country and our freedoms, even on a day like this, we then re replace with nationalism, and it becomes my country is my God. And so I, I don't do the hard work of thinking through how do I love my neighbor, how do I love my enemy, which we'll get to in a couple weeks here as Jesus talks about that. How do I love these people? I'm, I just, I'm not even going to deal with that. I'm not even going to surrender that to God because I look through this lens. Whatever kind of idolatry we, we want to we insert, Okay, that's another story defining our lives. And hear me, you are, you and I are absolutely vulnerable to being defined by every other story imaginable. A story that says, listen, this is the good life. This is the right life. This is the honorable life. This is what it means to be a flourishing human being. And if it's taken out of the story of God, and it's an idolatrous story. It's a fragmented story. It's a broken story. And he continues on. He says, it will thus cease to shape our lives as it should. Hence, the unity of Scripture is not a minor matter. A fragmented Bible may actually produce theologically orthodox, morally upright, warmly pious idol worshipers. All good things to be theologically orthodox, to, to appreciate and dive into theology and get, get the knowledge of God and the study of God and his character and his works and his word, to get that stuff right. But, but if we don't submit ourselves to the whole story from beginning to end and the author's intent, the divine author's intent, then we're in incredible danger. And the, and the same was true for the audience that's hearing this on the hillside. As Jesus is preaching this Sermon on the Mount, they're, they're, they're prone, just like you and me, to, well, I don't, I don't really agree with that. Like, I, I don't know, Jesus, he to disagree. Like, you know, I, I don't, I'll kind of forget I heard that part, but, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And he's like, no, 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 I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill that's, that's, Jesus is dropping bombs here, okay? And we'll, we'll, we'll get into this more. There are a couple bombs in this, in this case, and some of you don't know that vernacular, kind of, right? Like, he's, he's, he's saying things that you would absolutely, like, catch your attention, okay? That's what dropping bombs means. Just, yeah, education, I love you. I'm here to help. And so Jesus is dropping these things that, like, people are, are like, whoa, what? When Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, the whole counsel, the whole story of God, but to fulfill it. What he's saying is this. He's saying, it's all about me. Jesus is saying the whole thing from beginning to end is pointing to me. Okay, that the story of God, we, we've used, we did a whole sermon series on this, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Almost every Sunday I walk through that in some form, in some fashion, because that is the true story of the universe Okay, God, the author, the one who said, let there be light, is writing a story. The Bible is the story of God. Is, is God telling his plans and his purposes and what he's doing? And so when Jesus is speaking these words, he, he too is calling the people, listen, the story of God is all about Jesus. When God created uh, you and me and humanity and everything, he had a purpose and a plan. And then the fall, the rebellion Beginning in Genesis chapter 3, we see that come in where, where humanity and you and I 
individually and corporately said, no thanks, God. I'll, I'll do it my way. I'll do it my own thing. I, I, I don't want my identity and my purpose to come from you. I don't want you to be the author and the hero of the story. In fact, I'm going to hijack your story and make it all about me. All right? We're, we're in that same boat today. And, and, then, and then that's sin. That's not God. That's, 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 that's living another story. Okay? And, so that's, and so Jesus is saying, um, even there, even in that, you see uh, me. You see God's promise in Genesis 3. He says, but one day I will bring one. This isn't the end of the story. It's called the Proto-Euangelion, the first gospel. The beginning of the word gospel means good news. Okay? And, and God himself says, he, he, okay, you see Jesus there in the very beginning. And then we see in John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And you see the, Jesus from the beginning to end. And um, by the way, just little little like time out pause button there's gonna be a ton of scripture today even that i'm just kind of gonna be throwing it in there and then we're gonna have most of it up here on the screen because we need to see the thread of god's story that centers upon and always comes back to the person and work of jesus so when we say here all of life is all for jesus it begins to make sense. It begins to sink deeply in our hearts. That we hear it and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's just a phrase. It's on a, it's on a shirt, you know, it's this stuff. This is what, but no, but we start to see, wow, that really is God's plan and purpose for, for what it means to be a flourishing, thriving human being. It is to be all about Jesus. That he is the author and the hero of the story. And it builds and it, and it works. And so when Jesus says, it, I, I, it's all about me, I haven't come to abolish it but to fulfill it. That scriptures like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, okay, the Old Testament is full of, full of promises. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, full of promises. Okay, like God has a lot of promises. And here's the, here's the deal. He doesn't make promises that he doesn't keep. And so we see here in 2 Corinthians, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The amen means yes, yes, may it be so. Jesus says, I haven't come to abolish, but to fulfill. It's all about him. And then again in Romans chapter 3, you, you see this again similarly, that same language of law and prophets. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And at the end of our time here, we'll see in verse 20, Jesus talks about righteousness. Because this sermon, this this. Three little short verses that we're in this morning set the tone and, and, and kind of illuminate um, life-shaping truths in God's scripture. In fact, if you're taking notes, those of you that do have the little Sermon on the Mount notebook or things like that, you can see that actually the first 16 v v verses, okay, where we've been um, the last two weeks, are the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, like the theologians agree, everyone, like Bible scholars agree, that was the beginning. That was Jesus setting the stage for the whole rest of the sermon, all the way up until um, chapter 7, where it will, it will, it will, change, um, it will change gears and, and he'll kind of bring in the conclusion of it, the very end of chapter 7. But all the way up has been the, the body of the sermon is beginning right now. 
It's beginning in, in, in verse 17. Jesus kind of gave the introduction, again, blew people's minds, talked about this counterintuitive kingdom that he's bringing, and now he's bringing people to a crossroads. Okay, we're at a crossroads right now where Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying, my kingdom looks like this. Will you follow me and be a part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus? That's the world as it ought to be. That's the, that's the reality where God rules and reigns and where human relationships with everything, with God, with one another, with creation, with work, with hobbies, everything comes from Jesus. And Jesus is saying, okay, turn left, come this way, or turn right, whichever, typically right, right? I'm left-handed, so I'm gonna say left. But, right, he's like, this is the kingdom of heaven, and this is the kingdom of the world. And the righteousness, when you hear righteous, when you think of righteousness, you think this way. You think, you think you're, you're distorted, you have a broken view, and Jesus right now is saying, we're at a crossroads, and I've come to fulfill the whole story, and you can't, you can't continue to, to, to live as God's people and dismiss what I'm saying, because this is the way to the kingdom of heaven. And, and everything else from here on out will continue to build and will rely on what Jesus is saying here. And he says it's all about him. He has not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill. And then in verse in verse 18 here, he uses the strongest language imaginable. And again, we would miss this otherwise. We just kind of read along. And he says this, verse 18, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. He's saying, as strong as I can give you, with the, all the authority that I have, Jesus is saying, I'm saying None of this, none of, the, none of the, the Old Testament, none of the law and the prophets will go unfulfilled un until the end of time, until, until I say the story is over, is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, don't think I've come to abolish it. He's saying all authority that I have. And if you want to look ahead to verse um, to verse uh, chapter 7 at the very end, the way this whole thing wraps up is it says, and they, and they heard him and his teaching was not like one of their own prophets or one of their own scribes, but, but, but he taught with a different kind of authority. And what that word means, and we'll get there like in a month or two, um, is uh, Jesus is saying, um, I, 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 uh, he teaches with an authority as the author. Okay, G okay, authority, right? What's the root word of authority? Get back to me. Author, author. So Jesus teaches here as one who, who doesn't have to check, you know, the original source. He is the original source. And he says, no, I know, I can say I didn't come to abolish that stuff. Of course not. It's all about me. I'm the author of it, and it's all about me. And then with that same authority, he says, all my authority, I'm telling you this, I didn't come. None of it is going to go unfulfilled. Not an iota, not a dot. That's like in our alphabet, in our language, that's like Jesus saying, um, not, not an I will be left ambiguous and will be undotted. Not a T will go uncrossed. But everything, the full story of God, will all continue to be fulfilled in and through the person and work of Jesus. And none of it is, can be easily dismissed. And that's really important for the people of his day, as well as for the people of our day, maybe even more. 
for us. Because we want to hear Jesus and we want to think of Jesus. And there are these tensions where we hear legalism or we hear righteousness and we think, whoa, 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 that's, I'm more about grace. And we, and we want to dismiss Jesus, and that's what the people here would do. And so that's when he goes on, and he says, he says, listen, I'm telling you that if somebody breaks the least of these laws and teaches others to do the same, what that means, break, someone dismisses them and is like, ah, okay, Jesus came, so it doesn't really matter, um, so I can kind of write that off. That part of my life can go un, uninformed by Jesus. I don't submit that to him. I'm not changed by him. Um, or, and then he says, listen, you will be least in the kingdom of heaven. He says, but those who uphold them and teach them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. And in their day, it's because they would want to dismiss different parts of the law that were really broken. And in so doing, hear me, lean in. He, he, it's because what he's saying, he's saying, listen, if you miss any of that, if you water down any of that, then you miss Jesus. Then you miss, you miss the, 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 the impact and the work and the good news that he has come to bring. And for you and me today, I think we're prone to think of Jesus as, um, you know, okay, now, now there's grace, there's Jesus so how I live my life, eh, it doesn't really matter. You know, righteousness, that's, I'm more about grace. Um, you know, grace means undeserved favor. You know, we, we tend to think that. We tend to think of Jesus as, as this. We tend to think of Jesus as um, uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, start. How many of you know what I'm talking about right now? Yes, that's the contra code, Okay. <laughs> That's, that's it. I know we have a young crowd here, but that is the original, the OG Nintendo, this game Contra you'd be playing. It was really hard to get past, like, the next level. It was really hard to get, you know, you're f fighting aliens and all this stuff. And, and, then, and then, though, once it became known, oh, that code, once I got that, once I do up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, start, or B, A, actually, sorry, I got it mixed up. It's very important. B, A, start, and you had to hold them both together and then push start. Um, once I get that, you get, you get 30 lives, which was like unlimited lives. And the way you went about the game now is you're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I can be crazy. I can go in. I can do this because I've, I've got this whole different thing now. I've got this asterisk, and I can just go on and do whatever I want, and it doesn't really matter. I'll just kind of win in the end. And that's what we're, we're prone to do with coming before Jesus. So we miss this, this radical kingdom that he's talking about. This, where he says, I fulfill it all, beginning to end. Where he says, I want to speak into your whole life. Where he says, come and put your trust in, in him in such a way that, that you will be so transformed that your life will then be so transformed. And, and, and so we need to hear that this next part, is he this last verse here that he, that he um, preaches here, verse 20 or this last part right now, again, you can't ignore. He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. How many scribes and Pharisees do you know? Like, probably not a lot, right? Like, you don't, I mean, that's not really a term. That doesn't really fit to our day. So we, again, read right along. Okay, Jesus, go, you know, go on, read through. Next, next verse but you couldn't hear that and not be like, wait, what? Wait, pause, Jesus. Tell me more about what, what you're, tell me more about this kingdom you're talking about. Tell me more about this righteousness because that's impossible. Okay, we, we live in a day today in Tucson um, and, and in a world and perhaps even many in here that, that many of us identify with the Catholic faith, right, or with, with the Catholic church. 
And, and I spent a whole summer in Mexico City. Most people had a Catholic background, Catholic, you know, kind of understanding. And it would be like if someone said, okay, you're right. I've been living my life apart from God. I've been living not God. I've turned my back and said, thanks, but no thanks, God. But now I want to, now, okay, now I'm hearing this gospel. What does it mean? And then someone usually says, okay, so what do I do, right? Like, tell me what I got to do. Tell me how I'm going to change this, change this stuff and get my life right. And then it would be like if you said, okay, um, you know, and they're like, okay, cool. I want to get it confirmed and baptized, and then I want to take my first communion, then I'll, I'll, I'll continue to give, to give my confession, and I'll, I'll get it right, right? Like, maybe not the first week in the Super of, uh, of football, but, you know, most weeks I'll go to church, I'll do all the right things, I'll give my tithes, I'll get it all right, and then if you said, well, um, well, here's the deal, to, to go to heaven and to be a part of Jesus' kingdom, even right now, um, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pope. Whoa, 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 the Pope, I mean, he took a vow of celibacy, not about to do that. And he, I mean, he's really a good guy, like he loves his neighbor, he loves the poor, he gives, and, or maybe even on a greater level, as if you said, like, Mother Teresa. Okay, you, you need to be Mother Teresa. Your righteousness needs to exceed that of Mother Teresa in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven. In order to be a true follower of Jesus, your righteousness needs to be at that level. Like, can you just move on? Okay, cool. All right, heard that. Now next. What, right, no. You would lean in just like the people here and, and just be continually, your mind is exploding and you're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? That's impossible. There's not such a righteousness that exists on earth that falls in line with what you're talking about. What hope is there, Jesus? Maybe, I hope, I pray that many of us in this room right now are feeling that weight, that you hear that. Because that's not, that's not just, yeah, that was a cute little illustration and now it's different. Now today, you know, I'm going to tweak it and it's a little bit different. No, that really is the righteousness about which Jesus is speaking. That's the requirement to enter heaven. That's the requirement to be made right with God is to have a righteousness that exceeds Mother Teresa. And we get past that. We dismiss it. We skirt it aside. And I don't really like to think about that. I don't really like to, you know, I, just Jesus, right? Nice, grace, like, good, you know, that stuff. And, and, and no, no, they would lean in and say, what, what kind of righteousness is this that you're talking about? And Jesus is saying, yeah, it exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. These people who, how they cut their hair, what they ate, what they didn't eat, when they ate it, what they did when they were um, in every, what was going on in their health, in their body, what they were doing in every, I mean, every little, little detail of their lives was, was to a T, right, was, was obeyed and, 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 and stringently observed. And Jesus says, yeah, it needs to, it needs to exceed that. And that would leave the people, as it needs to leave you and me, saying, then what is the answer? Because I can't do that. Right, a lot of people, when you ask the question, why should, if, God, if you were to die today and stand before God and he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? A lot of people would say something along the lines of, well, I'm a pretty good person. I do the best I can. I'm, I'm not like that guy. Uh, on, you know what a lot of people say is, I've never killed anyone. <laughs> Congratulations. Like, that's what's going to happen. Jesus is, God's like, hey, high five. 
didn't murder. I know, I mean, did good work. Come on in, you know, right? Like that, and we, we laugh at that, but that's our version. Like, well, I'm not as bad as that. I, I'm better. The good has outweighed the bad, and I wonder by whose definition that's true or not. Right, but that's the way we go about it. And, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 a righteousness that means that is spotless, that, that is without blemish. And that's the bad news that you're in my sin, that because we've turned away from God, because we've, we, that nothing, no matter how good of a person you are, no matter how, how altruistic, whatever it might be, no matter how much better you think you are than your neighbor, you're, you're, you're marred and broken and distorted and unrighteous. And there really is no hope apart from the intervening person and work of Jesus. And so then when we look at the cross and we see that Jesus, the author of this whole story, the one who didn't come to abolish it but came to fulfill it, entered in and lived life perfectly, that he submitted to the will of the Father. Though you and I choose selfishness in some form, he never had a day where selfishness defined his life. But he constantly loved God and loved his neighbor every moment of every day. In every little facet, every little part of his life, he lived the life that you and I were created to live perfectly. And then when he went to the cross... And he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. The debt has been paid in full. The unrighteousness of the people that fill this room, you and me, Jesus said, my righteousness now defines that. That if, if, if the people that Jesus calls to put their faith in him, would just trust him, would believe in him, would put their hope in him, would surrender their lives to him, would respond to him in faith then his righteousness would now cover you and me. And that's good news. That is the only good news. And so when you dismiss it, when you water it down, when you, when you chop up the Bible, when you, when you ignore the, the full story of God, you miss Jesus. And Jesus is saying to these people, listen, don't, you can't miss me because this is the kind of righteousness that the kingdom of heaven requires. This is the kind of righteousness that God, when you die and you stand before him and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? The only answer is because I am 100% righteous and spotless because of Jesus. Amen. And that's the, only, that's the only hope for you and for me today. And that's what Jesus is, is wanting to make absolutely sure there's no way to miss that. And that's the effect of this sermon right now. That's the effect of what he is saying to these people. And he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you have no hope. But here's the deal. There's an external and a righteousness in your own effort can never, ever exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Right? So don't even try. But... The story that has been told all along, the promises of God that find their yes, yes, and amen in Jesus, speak of a righteousness that will one day come from a transformed heart. 
okay, that the doctrines of the, the doctrines of regeneration and justification and sanctification and propitiation and expiation and glorification, okay, if those are, and what that essentially is, is all that I've just told you, the, the, the full effect of Jesus saying, I'm going to take your place, that his righteousness will now replace your and my righteousness, that that desperate state of, well, what is my hope then, God, would be replaced by my hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that is what Jesus says. That is, that is justification, that though you are enemies of God, God, he demonstrates his own love for us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that God says, though you deserve hell, though you deserve the guilty verdict, through faith in Jesus, you are fully forgiven. There is nothing left to be done. There's no church attendance, no amount to give, no, no, I should do this, I should do that. No, it's all been forgiven and you have now been fully accepted in all of those beautiful doctrines of grace. Come back to Jesus saying, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you have no hope. And all the way back in the Old Testament, right? We're kind of going back and forth here. And as we kind of wrap up, I don't even know really where we're at. Let me check my clock. Jeremiah chapter 31, the law and the prophets, right? I have not come to abolish them, Jesus said, but to fulfill. Well, look at how he fulfills this. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts I will be their God, and they will be my people. The scribes and the Pharisees, and you and me in here, apart from the intervention of God, have an outside-in view of righteousness. I do these things, and it'll make me better. If I do this, then I have a kind of a transactional relationship with God, a transactional relationship with others. The good things I do, right, outweigh the bad and this and that. And, and it's like, no, no, that righteousness won't get you anywhere. Okay, that, that, unless it, the, the scribes and the Pharisees have been trying that and it doesn't work for them even. So you need an inside out righteousness. Come on. Okay, that re regeneration I mentioned earlier, that's some of you have heard the phrase, and those of us who grew up in a more charismatic kind of churches, right, you hear born again, right? Like, you got to be born again. Like, come forward, we're going to get born again in here today. And what that means, that's regeneration. That's a new heart. That's my heart is dead. That sin, when I turn my back on God and I live my life apart from him, I am dead, not I've never killed anyone. I've tried to do better. I'm better than him. You know, I do. No, dead. Okay, dead is dead, right? There's no different versions of it, right? Dead is dead, and that is you and me apart from Jesus. But the good news, he says, no, I will come and make dead hearts alive. That's what, what, what Jeremiah 31 promised hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus would come. He fulfills it. It's whispering his name. And then John chapter 16, one more verse for you in the, in the New Testament that Jesus is spoken, uh, Jesus himself is saying this, because you and hopefully we're thinking, well, how then? How? How do I live out this righteousness? Because here's the deal. Jesus didn't just come. Okay, don't look at the screen. I know I went ahead there. Look at me. Um, Jesus didn't just come to, to say, like, to save you from hell and then be like, good luck. 
okay, go ahead now, do your Bible study, do all the right things, do get it right. Man, sometimes in church, I don't know if you, but with this stuff is confusing and you start hearing, hey, that's great, right? You trusted Jesus, you did the altar call, you came forward, you prayed to receive Christ. Now, here's what you got to do, okay? Boom, 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 boom. You got to do all these things and then, and then you're going to, that's the righteousness, right? But as one um, man famously said, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is his grace Okay, that, that God's undeserved favor through, through faith alone, by grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone, is not just the beginning. That's not God beginning the process and then you, you take it from here and come back to me once you really screw it up every once in a while. No, it's, it's, the gospel is not the ABCs of this radical transformational Christian life that Jesus is talking about here. It's the A to Z. It's beginning to end. You never get away from the gospel so how? How do we do it then? How do we, we have a nanosecond capacity to live this righteous life that God has called us to apart from his grace, most clearly displayed through him sending Jesus, who then says this, John 16, 7. All right, now you can look. <laughs> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. How's it better that Jesus would ascend once he rose from the dead, once he died on the cross, rose from the dead, how's it better that he would be like, all right, bye, you'll see me when I come back to finally being, bring restoration, okay, one day, but it's actually better for you that I go. Well, this is why. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. God the Holy Spirit, God the Father sent God the Son to accomplish this work of reconciliation, of righteousness, and then to live the life of righteousness that he has now won you and me into. Okay, again, hear me. If you put your faith in Jesus, it's not just he saved you from hell, and then you just kind of do the best you can until you finally, you know, go to heaven one day. No, he saved you and me for something. Again, when we don't have a fragmented Bible and we see the full story of God, we see from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, that God created us with a purpose. And then Jesus says, and I'm, I've come to restore that purpose. Outside of the cross and the resurrection, what's referred to as the, the, the Christ event, that's the climactic event of all history. Outside of that, there is no now living a life of righteousness. But hear me, um, Jesus didn't just come and say, all right, now that's done. Now just kind of sit there or bury your head in a book and don't live your life for God's glory and the good of others. No, he says that the righteous life that Jesus has now called you and me into can be lived out by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the inside-out righteousness that Jesus brings through his already finished work on the cross, through his victorious resurrection from the dead, and through his sending of God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus fulfilled all the promises and all the requirements of the entire Bible so that you and me through faith in him, empowered by God the Holy Spirit, indwelling a transformed new heart, can live every day as the very righteousness of God. That, that's why you're here. Okay, if you're wondering, why do I live? What's, it all, what's the meaning? What's the purpose? That's it. To live as the very righteousness of God in everyday life. And now as we close and we reflect, um, 
we're meant to be in the place that we're at right now. This kind of dissonance, this tension, perhaps simultaneously convicted and encouraged, um, wondering and calling out where is this hope going to come from, and then hopefully instantly looking and seeing, oh, from Jesus, who's already done it. And then perhaps wondering, man, I have, I have thought that Jesus came and just kind of saved me and, and just left me there. But no, he's called me to something more. He's called me to live all of life all for him, righteously. So now as we respond, we, we respond together remembering the good news of Jesus, that he's come to transform. He's come to fulfill, not to, ab not to abolish. And he's come to usher in the kingdom of heaven that you and I get to live in right now. Where we get to say that's not the way it's supposed to be and there's good news that that's not the way it will always be. Amen? Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we come before you. Um, Lord, a broken people, in some ways a scattered and a confused people, a needy people, Lord, I pray, um, I, love, I love everyone in here too much to uh, not pray that you would, um, Lord, I pray that you will wreck people's worlds right now if there is arrogance and um, if there is anything other than, than desperately leaning in and saying, then where will my hope be found? If anyone here says, I'm a pretty good person, I do better than my neighbor, I do the best I can, I've never killed anyone, I, it's probably all going to work out in the end. Lord, uh, break in right now to hearts of stone and do the work that only you can do and soften our, our proud hearts to see the desperate need we have for Jesus so that every Sunday and every moment of every day we see that outside of his intervention on the cross and his victorious resurrection and the righteousness that only he brings that exceeds that of the very best people we think we try to live up to. He exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, Lord. And he calls us to now live a righteousness that, yes, even that, our lives now would exceed that of anything else we've ever seen because it comes from a new heart, a transformed heart that only you can give, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, lead us now to appropriately respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen.